In today's show, we're recapping all of the news from Tuesday, LeBron James's COVID issue. We're talking about all the five games as well. And Michael Bolton, he's here with us. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball also your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Five games today. That means we're getting an opportunity to dive deep into um, Bradley Beal today. Giggity. We do a Watfo, we cover some news, and then we recap those five games as well. So let's kick off, kick off, kick off, kick off, and have a look at the news around the NBA. And we covered all the injury stuff earlier today. Um, but since then, the big news that has dropped is, of course, uh, LeBron James testing, well, we believe testing positive to COVID because he is now in the health and safety protocols. And reporting from Woj and from Shams is that he will be at least 10 days or will require two negative PCR tests to return, meaning that he's tested positive. That's not great, obviously, for LeBron. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker going to start in his place, and it's a worthy ad like just over these 10-day periods. Remember, though, the Lakers, after today, play one more game this week. And then you might get two or three more out of him next week. So it's not an absolute no-brainer because you're only getting one game this week out of that addition. So that's not yeah, particularly appealing. But obviously, it's not great to have LeBron out. We saw Joel Embiid just miss three weeks due to his COVID diagnosis. So hopefully, we don't get LeBron missing that much time. Justin Holiday also the exact same scenario uh, with a health and safety protocol protocols. And he will be out at least 10 days and require the two positive tests. So he's tested positive as well. That gives a little bit of a boost to Chris Duarte in Indiana, whether they start him again. I imagine they will. Now, his numbers had been trending down even before he moved to the bench, playing alongside Levert and Brogdon. But it helps Duarte maybe become a streamer for 12s. It helps some Someone like maybe Timothy John McConnell get a little bit more value back in 12-team leagues with Holiday out. Also helps someone like a Keelan Martin or a Jeremy Lamb to get into the rotation or to increase their rotation minutes with Holiday out for the next 10 days. I request elaboration. Yep. I played the sound this time, so that's great news. We're going to talk Bradley Beal today. If you want to hear more on Bradley Beal and the Wizards, we do have a Locked On Wizards podcast, which I do recommend you go and check out uh, with Ed Oliver and Dialante over there. Go and check them out. They're doing great stuff for the Wizards, who have been one of the big surprise teams this year. So I'll have more in-depth stuff on Bradley Beal, but I'm going to give you a few minutes here on Bealo right now. Um, big disappointment, obviously. Been a top 10 fantasy pick this year, probably in nearly every league. Maybe went to 11 or 12. But over the last two weeks, he's the 35th ranked player. In both category leagues and points leagues, he's averaging 36.6 fantasy points. Are the numbers actually that bad for Beal? They're not. They're not terrible, is how I would phrase it. 
but they're obviously not living up to the fact that this is a dude that scored like 30 points per game last season. Right, that, that's that's not where we're at with Beal. Um, and I want to try and dig into what's actually going on with him. Obviously, he's not sharing the ball with Russell Westbrook anymore, so we hoped that we'd get your big stuff coming from Beal this year. And not that he didn't put up numbers next to Westbrook, because he still did. But we thought, oh, we're going to get back and some really, really big production from Beal. Over the course of the season, he is um, 26th. So that's, that's not terrible. But when you look at last year, he was 12th, and then 13th, and 15th the last three years. It is a big step back, and it's not because of minutes. Like, he averaged 36 minutes a night this year and last year. It's that he's scoring almost eight fewer or seven fewer points per game. Over the last two weeks, he's averaging 22.5 points, 1.9 triples, 4.5 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 0.8 steals, and 0.1 blocks in 36 minutes. The shooting numbers, 48, 30, and 83. Now, something that does get underreported, Beal has been a bad three-point shooter for three years, four years now. 35, 35, and 35% from three the last two years. Now, the volume makes him good. But even then, he's not a gigantic, gigantic volume player. He's not attempting 10 threes a game. Last year, he was at just 6.2 threes per game and only hitting him at 35%. He is an underrated, bad, bad three-point shooter or bad three-point spacer. It's, uh, you don't really expect that from Bill. You think of him as that guy who was like that 40% player. Uh, you know, the first you know, three of the first five years in his career, he was a 40% three-point shooter. That's not who he is anymore. That three-point shot has deserted him um, for quite a while. But now what we're also seeing is that the two-point numbers aren't particularly great. And the three-point numbers are shocking, like 27% from three over the course of the year. He's up to 30, as I said, over the last two weeks. His free throws, um, for the year, they're great at 91, but dropped off a little bit over the last two weeks. And the usage is at 29%, which is probably the most curious thing. He was at 34% usage last year, 35 the year before that. You know, at 32 this season and 29 the last two weeks, I didn't expect the ball to be shared around that much. His advanced indicators, they're all right, but they're not great. He's third on this team in Raptor behind Montrez Harrell and Denny Avdia. And in terms of Raptor War, he's second just behind Harrell. He's fifth in this team on on-off at a plus 1.5, which is 57th percentile in the NBA. Harrell, Avdia, Kispert, and Neto, all the bench guys producing at a higher level than Beal. Now, he's significantly ahead of guys like Dinwiddie and Caldwell Pope and Gafford and Kuzma, who are massively low. Kuzma, negative 15.6, and Gafford, negative 10.3. is pretty bad for both of those guys. But Beal is um, yeah, not looking great. 79th percentile on EPM is good on the surface, but he was 95th last year. He's gone from 4 down to 1.5 because his offense has just dropped significantly because of that just horrible three-point shooting, the lack of three-point spacing. And the fact that his usage has dropped as much as it has. So is there any other major concern when we look at the shooting numbers? He is a guy that does get by on a really heavy diet of um, mid-range shots. He's 95th percentile in percentage of shots taken from mid-range. Well, that, that's a number that probably shouldn't be there. He's also dropped his attempts at the rim, even though relative to the rest of the NBA, that's gone up. He's at 26% shots at the rim, which is basically the lowest mark he's had in the last four years. So that's a concern. That does lead, or that, that can often be an indicator that a guy's getting older, maybe doesn't have quite the burst that he used to have. But the fact that he takes so many mid-ranges, and last year he got by by hitting 47% of his mids. That was 87th percentile, and he hit 50% of his long twos, which was great. And he's dropped from 50 to 47. He's dropped overall from 47 to 42 on his mid-ranges. So those unsustainably high long-range two-point numbers have fallen. His um, 
percentage of the rims actually increase. He just doesn't get there as, as much anymore. And he doesn't take any threes and he doesn't hit any threes. So that's probably the, the major thing we look at with Beal is that it's just the shooting that's off. The assist number, six and a half, like that's totally fine. Last year, he averaged, what, 4.4 assists. So we're back to basically six and a half that he's averaged over the last month would be a career high number for him. So that's fine. The rebound numbers, totally fine. Career high numbers there as well. The steals, he's never been a great steals guy, but it has dropped off late. But that 0.8 can easily go back to 1.2 and that elevates him back up. And the free throws. Now, his free throw attempt rate is in the toilet completely. It is less than half of what it was last year, which is a gigantic thing from 7.7 down to 3.9. That's a big, big, big drop in his free throws. But we know free throw rate is down across the league. Unfortunately for him, some of these guards who have seen their free throw rate drop have actually seen an increase of late, but he has not. He's 25th in the NBA in Darko DPM. But interestingly, in Delta, which is the amount you've improved this year, he's 246. He's actually gone down when, when we look at his Darko numbers. It's, it is trending downwards a little bit. So you know, he's not particularly old, but there are a few indicators that we're getting a bit of a decline here from Bill. His career rate is starting to drop. He's probably out of his peak in his career. And yeah, that's... That's, I guess, concerning when you're in deeper leagues. When you're not getting to the rim as much, you're relying upon um, you know, long twos and they're not going in as much. Your three-pointers, you don't have the legs for those. Yeah, there are a few concerning indicators here for Beal. Now, do I believe he is a buy low? Yes, I do. Because I look at the... Maybe the free throw rate improves. I don't know. But the 30% three-pointers, you know, 29 or 28% for the year, and that can hit back to 34. But don't expect 37 or 38. Right, that can improve. He can get those numbers back. But when we're looking at Beal, I think a first-round player is out of the realms of possibility. I don't think he's... He needs to be a 30-point scorer. And with that massive drop in free throws, which basically, if you drop four, four free throws per game, that's all, that's four points pretty much for Beal. Yeah, that, that's big. And then you're not hitting threes. That's another one to two points right there. So the threes, you might get that extra point back. I don't think the free throws are coming back in volume because, again, that also ties in to a lack of getting to the rim and maybe just a few drops there in overall athleticism and physical skills as he's, what, like 28 now. Not, not particularly old, but maybe he's just uh, aging out a little bit quicker than we expected. So while I do think he's a bit of a buy low, I am not looking at Bradley Beal based on a lot of these indicators. There are easy rooms to improve. Like 27% from three overall for the season, that goes to 34. And then bang, we're talking, you know, Instead of averaging 22 points, we're averaging 26 or 27. And then we are talking him going back to being a top 20 player. Like, that is distinctly possible. But he has not been a good three-point shooter for years. So don't expect gigantic, gigantic steps forward there. And there is a risk that you know, the fact that he is taking a lot of long twos, that, that number can drop even further because that is somewhat of a risky shot. So just, just be aware of that, I think, with Bradley Beal, that he is a little bit of a buy low at 35th. But not to 15th or not to 10th. That's not where he ends up. Yeah, maybe he gets 20th. I think that's probably what we should be looking at with Bill. So disappointing. That is what you get out of your first round pick. But that's uh, where we are with Brad Beal. But Brad Beal is one of those guys that if you were hiring for a company, you would have loved what you saw in his track record. But maybe if you didn't get into the nitty gritty and got all the details, you would have made that mistake of drafting him. So indeed's here to help prevent you making those sorts of mistakes. 
Indeed is the hiring partner that gets you what you really want. A short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Awesome. Indeed makes it easier for star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tests from cooking to coding. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked, indeed.com slash locked, offer valid through December 31st, terms and conditions apply, need to hire, you need Indeed. And you also need Built Bar because it is the best tasting protein bar ever. You've had other protein bars in the past and they just taste like garbage. Like there's just not something that you would even feed to your dog. Really, that's how bad it is. But Built Bar tastes like a candy bar. And they're just constantly bringing out the new flavors. Innovation is the name of the game at Built Bar. Vanilla cream, blueberry muffin, cherry lime, uh, white chocolate cheesies over there, ruby chocolate marshmallow puff. So many great flavors. These are all low-carb, low-fat, low-sugar, and high-protein protein bars. So go to Built.com. Use the code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you can save 15% off your boxes and your many, many boxes of Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar ever. All right, it's time for Watfo. This one's thanks to Arrow himself. Oliver Queen sends this one in to us, and he says, what are the odds of James Blunty Wiseman? Where are you now? Averaging a double-double this season. 5%. A double-double is bloody hard to average. Now, Wiseman might average 10 points, 11 points, but averaging 10 boards is really bloody hard to do. So I'm going to say that is a 5%er for you, uh, Arrow. If you do have other Watfos, drop them down in the comments below, and we'll see how we get to or when we get to the next one. All right, that's good stuff. All right, let's move on to the top ads over the last 24 hours in Fantasy Leagues. Alec Burke's up 17%. Well, we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but suffice to say, add him everywhere. Um, pretty uh, pretty obvious one to, uh, to bring him into your team with the big minutes that he played, the fact that he's a starting point guard now for the Knicks. Um, he's a clear ad. Maxi Cleaver up 16%. I like that one. And Emmanuel Quickly up 16%. He's a must-roster player as well. Anthony Simons up 12% with Lillard out and Powell out. It makes sense for at least today. I don't mind him as a short-term streamer, but I think his value drops when Powell and Lillard return. Um, Garrison Matthews up 8%. Not really, um, yeah, not really feeling that one. It's fine as a streamer. I'll put it that way. It's fine as a streamer, but not as a must roster. Brandon Clark up eight. Yeah, probably more for 14-team leagues. Caldwell Pope up seven. Yeah, look, he's providing value at the moment, so we don't mind that. And then McGee up 7%. Surely that's just for the streaming value of him playing in today's game. The top drops over the last 24 hours. We're looking at um, Kemba Walker down 11%. Hello. Yep, drop him. Jalen Suggs down 11, drop him. Now, there was an update on Suggs that he won't be having surgery on his thumb, but they're going to reevaluate it at two-week intervals. That means that is not a minimum of two. If you're going to say at two-week intervals, that is a minimum of four weeks. Because if you're going to say it's two-week in intervals, you would say it'll be just reevaluated at two weeks, and then he'll be back. So this is a four- to eight-week injury, as I initially said, probably more six to eight. You got to drop him. Um no surgery is a positive. That doesn't mean that it heals. A minimum is four weeks to heal a crack in your, in your hand. And in your thumb, it might be a little bit harder. So it is minimum four, I would guess here. Robinson Earl down by 10%. Uh, 
look, if you did have him, I would have held him after last game, but I get dropping him. The upside's not super high. Uh, Malik Beasley down nine. No worries. The Discman, CD Arsman, he's down 8%. Okay, that's fine. He's a, he's a streamer. That's nothing more. The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock. He's down 8%. Sure. While Hassan Whiteside also down 8 The worst. Maybe I'm the worst because he's actually not down 8 He's down 7%. And I um, allegedly or apparently cannot uh, read. Once again, that's a second incidence of me uh, not being able to read. So there you go. He's down 7%. Let's get on and look at the first game of the day. It is the Memphis Grizzlies going into Toronto and getting the victory over the Raptors, 98-91. This was great to see from a Jaron Jackson perspective. Jackson played 34 minutes. He did have five fouls, but he played through that. 25.6 rebounds, five blocks, and hit four threes. That's just awesome stuff. Jackson is now, what, 60, 60th for the season? Top 50 over the last two weeks? These are the games that when I look at him and say, yeah, he can be a top 20 player. Right? These are the, the games that I look at and say, that's that's pos- not this year, but yeah, in the future. That's where he can get to. So that's really encouraging. Um, Desmond Bain with some good numbers there as well. 23 points in 33 minutes with Morant out. He's getting a ton of usage. Seven rebounds, two assists for Baino there. Well, if you need assists and steals, that's what Tyus Jones brings. Nothing more, but that's what he brings. Six assists and three steals, while Dylan Brooksy Brooks, you're going to be shocked at this, 17 points, but it took 18 shots to get there. Is there more a more infuriating player to watch than this bloke? It's just, I don't know, it's like watching small man Jeremy Grant. Just stop taking these shots, mate. You cannot hit them. Please stop it. Please, just can you do me a favor and stop it? Just horrendous efficiency. And this is always going to be the problem with him. And it's what makes him such a light, large drain in category leagues. In points leagues, you don't give a shit because the volume is just gigantic. He's going to take every shot in the world. Um, Kyle Anderson, what do you reckon, Jack? Get that garbage out of here! I say this only because people are still asking me about whether he's a rosterable guy, whether they should move on. He had two blocks. That's fine. He still is only the 175th ranked player this year. So it's more for 14 to 16 team leagues. You've got um, DeAnthony Melton, the wave pool. Played only 17 minutes here with 9 points, 10 rebounds, and 2 assists. Shot horribly. Probably can still hold in a 12-team league, but it doesn't look like he's going to get the most gigantic of boosts because, again, Dylan Brooks is just going to thieve all these minutes away. And we're going to get Jones basically just stepping into the role of um, Morant. And then someone like Conchar comes in. We also got Santi Aldama play 15 minutes, but you didn't expect uh, a Santi Aldama uh, your minutes update in this game. But there you go. First round pick who uh, has done nothing this year. For the Raptors, the big sneeze, Precious Achua, fouled out in 29 minutes. He went one of eight from the field. Is there a worse big man shooter than him? Is it him or Andre Drummond? They're both horrific. Five points, five rebounds. Do not roster Precious in 12-team leagues. You can stream him, maybe. That's it. But this is this is what he's doing in games without OG and without Birch. He's not, not he's just not good. Five points, five rebounds for Precious. Scotty Barnes had a great game. 19 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and four blocks. Now, he does, I think, tend to get a little bit lost when both Trent and Ananobi and Birch are all playing. Like, he gets a little bit lost of where his spot is. But with guys out, he really steps up. You might want to treat this as a sell high, but you probably don't. No one's going to buy into it, I don't think. And you probably just enjoy having Scotty Barnes because he's super fun. But he has shown that when playing with those other guys, he does fall off a little bit. 42 minutes for Fred Van Vliet's obviously insane. 15 and 9 with three assists. Um, not his best night. While Siakam had 20 points, six rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. Some nice numbers there. They did start Sfima High Luke. 
But it was Yuta Watanabe and Malachi Flynn who got the minutes. Flynn got 22 of them, had five points, didn't do much. Luke had seven points in his 18. Well, Watanabe played 29 minutes, had 11 points with six boards. Just keep an eye on that for deep leagues. And the answer to your Chris Boucher question is no. He had six points in seven minutes with two blocks. And people go, hey, here we go, look at that. He's reignited himself. They're great permanent numbers. Absolutely no argument with me whatsoever. That does not mean that he is going to be getting big minutes. They are great permanent numbers, and nobody has literally ever argued that he cannot be a good permanent fantasy player. The problem is that your league doesn't run on a permanent basis. You need this guy to play 20 minutes to be useful, so don't bother with him in 12-team leagues. I cannot, cannot stress that enough that he is not a... Um, he is not a 12-team league uh, option. I just I can't stress it enough. Simple as that. All right, guys. Football, we're marching towards the playoffs. And the best place for all those props, those odds and those lines, is, of course, Bet Online. It's your number one spot for all of your sports action this season. Go to the new updated desktop or mobile site and sign up today using our code LOCKEDON and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From basketball to football to the NHL to boxing to UFC and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all of the great offers that they have for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's start talking about the Knicks and the Nets. The Nets got up huge in this game and then the Knicks fought back and was tired down late and they were bitching and moaning and complaining about lack of free throws. Oh, that's, you know, that's a standard thing. When you lose and you don't get enough free throw attempts, you complain about it. Let's talk about this new rotation. Alec Burks, 39 minutes, 25, 5, and 5, two steals, a block, four triples, absolute must roster, even in 10-team leagues. 47 fantasy points here, big minutes. Now, these extra minutes for a lot of these guys are fueled by the fact that Rowan Barrett played only nine due to an illness. So we've got to just knock a little bit off there. He's probably a 33-minute, 34-minute guy, not 39. The same goes for the 35 that Derek Rose played. He was 16, 5, and 9. Add him in 12-team leagues, but he won't play this much. The same goes for Emmanuel Quickly, who played 38 minutes. And let's be fair, Burks and Quickly just need to be the starters on this team. Quickly had 12 and 7 with two threes. I think he's a 12-team league add. While Ivan Fournier hit the three at the end, but had 13 points with literally nothing else prior to that. He played 22 minutes, and he's a 12-team drop, while Barrett had four points in nine minutes. I think in category leagues, it's really tough to roster him. He just doesn't do enough and hurts you in too many areas to be must-roster. I think Nerland's Noel, with all of the injury issues, the uncertainty, the minutes, yeah, he had zero points in nine minutes. Now, he'll be better than this. It's much like it's like the Robert Covington situation. You're going to be reluctant to drop because you know he'll have like four steals and four blocks next game. But does it even out? Like, I don't know if it does at this point. He's probably more of a fringe guy than a must-roster player. Same goes for Mitch Robinson, who had eight and seven. Neither of those guys, I don't think, are 100% must-roster players. Tibbs did an interesting thing. He started Barrett in the first half, of course. And then for the second half, he started Quentin Grimes, who hadn't played a single second in the first half. Grimes played the first two minutes 33 in the, in the second half and then didn't play again. What's the point? What on earth was the point of that rotation decision? On to the Nets. Jim Harden had 34, 10, and 8 with three steals and three threes. Jimmy Harden is now the number three player this season. So, yeah, people were panicking hardcore to start the year, and uh, here we are. Durant had 27, 5, and 9 in 41 minutes. 
9 of 9 from the line. While it was interesting to see Cam Thomas's position in the rotation, more minutes than Bruce Brown, more minutes than Javon Carter, rightfully so. 12 points in 21 minutes for Thomas, just interesting enough for deeper leagues. It was a bit of a stinker from Aldridge, just 8 points in 32, but the 32 is key. And this is something I spoke about yesterday with Paddy Mills on the Sell High Show, is that when he's not hitting shots at 56%, which he has zero chance of maintaining, he's not going to do it for you. He hit his shots at 33% here. In fact, he went 2 of 10 from 3, 20% from 3. So he ended up with 10, 2, and 2 with a steal. That's not good enough. He was on a gigantic hot streak. The minutes are going to remain up with Joe Harris out, and he probably is a 12-team league guy, but what he was doing was gigantically outsized. And it does. it is as clear as dog's balls that when someone is hitting 56%, and people will talk themselves into anything. Oh, yeah, but now he's playing with Harden and Durant, so he's going to get these open looks. I don't care who you are. You're not hitting 56% of your threes. It doesn't matter who is playing on the other side of the court. It could be blokes with magnetic balls that get sucked into the rim every time. Like, you're not hitting 56% of your shots. Well, if those guys had their magnetic balls, they wouldn't be passing up the shots because they'd shoot 100%. But you know what I mean? Like, this is what I mean. Like, these numbers... You've got to learn this lesson continually. It's when you see something that is completely outsized and that is fueling everything, there is no way of it sticking. Absolutely none. It ha- it's not happening. It will not happen, and then everything falls away. And the fact that he offers no rebounds, no assists, and he can't really do much apart from hit threes, which when they go in looks great, and when it doesn't, it looks rough. Still hold him, but that value is going to drop off, or it did drop off already. Um, obviously, you're not holding on to the Shark. Bruce Brown, who had six points in 13 minutes, while um, Blake Griffin remains out of the rotation with Millsap getting those minutes. I just think Nick Claxton's going to slide in there into Millsap's role when he returns, but that does not mean that uh, Nick Claxton's a 12-team league fantasy player. All right, let's go on to the next game as it just starts absolutely pissing down with rain here. So I apologize if you can hear that um, rain. It is absolutely bucketing down at the moment. Um, the Lakers, they beat the Kings without LeBron. Big, big win, 117-92, but it is, of course, the Kings who are shithouse. Anthony Davis, 25-7 and with two steals and two blocks. Some shots finally went down for him. He's been one of the worst shooters in the NBA this season in terms of jumpers. Um, at least some of them went in here. Well, Malik Monk, I think he's not, not a bad, sneaky, at least 14-team league ad. 22 points, 33 minutes, six triples. Horton Tucker started for LeBron, got into some foul trouble and played only 16 minutes, two points for him, while DeAndre Jordan... Surely this is it. Surely it's the final straw. He played four minutes, never played again. He is literally the worst rotation player in the NBA. Sorry, Trey Lyles. But DeAndre Jordan is the worst player in the NBA at the moment and should not get any more minutes. uh, Dwight Howard started the second half and played 35 minutes. 12 and 13 with two steals and two blocks. Now, I don't think 35 minutes for Dwight's the way to go. But that at least, yeah, surely this is it. Surely Jordan is done and we're going to get 20 plus of Dwight, which actually makes some sense in some 14 or 16 team leagues. The Duke Wayne Ellington started with Avery Bradley out. He's another bloke who should never play again. Nine points with three threes for Ellington and three steals. He's just a deeper league streamer. While Mallow, only 19 minutes for Camelo Anthony. Um, 14 points. Poor shooting. Not a 12-team league guy. I guess you could sort of stream him in with LeBron out. Westbrook had 23, 5, and 6 with horrendous percentages. And not much else to talk about with this Lakers team. But I don't know why it's taken this long for us to realize that DeAndre Jordan shouldn't play. He still started in the dickhead, but he needs to get out of this rotation um, immediately. He's just terrible. No offense to him. Seems like a great bloke, but not good at NBA basketball at this point in his career. On to the Kings. Speaking of disasters, Rashawn Holmes. Wow. That wasn't a disaster, actually. 33 minutes, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 92% shooting. Excellent stuff from Holmes. Unfortunately, most other things were pretty bad. There were some positives, I guess. Darren Fox. 17-5-5 with two steals and 8-9 of from the line. 
Chemezi Metu played 36 minutes, had 14 and 11 with three steals. I don't know what to read into that for Metu because um, obviously no Barnes and no Harkless, but it's at least worth watching in, say, 14-team leagues. Terence Davis started, played 15 minutes. It wasn't bad. Eight and six with a steal and two blocks, while Halliburton's struggles continued. Cannot shoot at the moment, 20%. It is a massive buy low for Halliburton, but the Gentry system is not working for him as well as the Walton one did. I think that's pretty clear. Budrick Heald, yeah, I want to talk about Dreadful. Five points on 14%. I think he's somewhat of a buy low, buddy, but he's also nowhere near as good as he might think he is. Well, Davion Mitchell, stop, stop rostering him in 12-team leagues. Don't know what we're doing. Stop it. Eight points, two threes, two steals on 21% shooting. He has not shown anything to me to make me think that he is a future um, yeah, top 100 fantasy guy uh, this season or really any point in the future. Some encouraging things. Holmes coming back. Metu with some nice numbers. But just overall, you know, shithouse from Halliburton. Terrible from Heald. Um, nothing exciting from Davion Mitchell. 12 nothing minutes from Alex Len. Tristan Thompson back out of the rotation. Fair enough, I guess, with that one. And Lou King having four points in 14 minutes on 17%. I think King can be an interesting player, but I'm just watching this rain. I, this is horrid. It is pissing down. Hopefully, I don't lose power here. So I'm going to try and uh, bang through these as quickly as possible so I'll make sure that I get it recorded. On to the next game. The game of the day, the game of the year. Some mates might say the Golden State Warriors, um, they kept up with the Suns, but the Suns, they didn't lose a game in the entire month of November. 104.96 for the Suns over the Warriors. Let's start with the Golden State. 16 first quarter points for Jordan Poole. He ended with 28 in 35 minutes. Six triples, two steals, and a block. His two-point percentage this year has been incredible. He was three of three from two-point range in this game. His three-pointers haven't been great. They were great here. But yeah, the fact that he's so efficient on mid-ranges has been awesome. He is like a top 60 player this season. Otto Porter, 30 minutes, 16 points, six rebounds, four threes. I love Otto Porter if he gets those minutes and if he can maintain it. I don't think he can because remember, Iguodala was out in this game, as was Damian Lee. But I think Porter should get those minutes over Iguodala and over Damian Lee. In 14 teams, I would add Otto, and I don't mind it in 12 teams. Gary Payton, he did finish the game in the locker room, 8-7 and seven for him, while Draymond had 8-11 and 11 with 5 assists. But you want to talk bad, Steph Curry, man, 19% shooting, that's just not a Steph night. 19 points, 3 threes, a steal, a block. That's what happens when you've got Mikael Bridges out there. He just kills you. Like, he's so good. Andy Wiggins also, I don't think his back was right in this game. He was questionable heading in, ended up playing, but had 10 points on 33% with zero threes, a steal, and a block with three rebounds. Still hold on to Wiggins, but I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some time coming off for Wiggins um, with that back problem. I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't. The Suns, to win this game with Devin Booker playing just 15 minutes is super impressive. He hurt his hamstring. I would expect some missed time for Booker, but we don't know how long. My conservative thing, if yeah, things made sense, he would miss two weeks. I don't know whether he will. He could be back in two days, but he has had persistent hamstring problems. So I would expect an absence. In his place, Cameron Johnson started the second half and had 14 in 29 minutes before Cramps ended his night early. He had three threes with a steal and a block. He's more of a 14-team stream versus a 12-teamer. And if they do decide to start Landry Shamet, do not roster Landry Shamet in 12 or 14-team leagues. He's one of the worst permanent fantasy producers you can get. He'll just be out there doing cardio with the starters, would be my guess. It'll be guys like Paul and Aiton and Crowder who take on more usage. Chris Paul was amazing. 15, 6, and 11, five steals, 54%. The steals had dropped off a little bit for CP recently, but they bumped back up here while Aiton started out on fire and finished with a really good line. 24 and 11 with a stealing two blocks while um, uh, Jay Crowder sometimes may be good sometimes may be shit uh, was he good maybe 14 points 4 threes 6 rebounds that's fine 
He's just a streamer for 14 or for 14 team leagues and maybe 12, but obviously not any sort of must roster uh, player. Well, Cameron Payne had six points in his 16 minutes. I shouldn't let the game go without mentioning Mikael Bridges, who only had two points, but was amazing in his 41 minutes. He also added three assists, four steals, and a block, which turns out to be not a terrible fantasy line. And he's now top 60 over the last two weeks. Let's go on to the last game of the day, the Detroit Pistons. And the old, uh, who are they? Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers. That's the name of the team that I'm trying to find. The Blazers win this one comfortably without Damian Lillard. 110-92. Cade Cunningham was great. 26 points, 77% shooting, 5 triples, 7 rebounds, 1 steal, 3 blocks. This gives you a taste of the sort of fantasy beast that he can become. At least some shots finally went in, and then he added all that other stuff. That's really, really good. Obviously, a must-roster player who is now clearly inside the top 100 this year. Also, don't tell me, the Flame and Galar. Alf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. First double-double of the season for the big fella, but he played 33 minutes at 15 and 14 with a block. He was great from the field. He hit his free throws. This is the encouraging thing. These are the numbers. I don't love him as a player, but these are the numbers that I thought he could put up this year. Hold him. Killian Hayes played 31 minutes, 11 and 6. Jeremy Grant. Can this bloke stop shooting? For God's sake. What are you doing? 14 points on 14 shots. No threes. Three rebounds. He is the second most annoying player in the NBA to watch play behind Dylan Brooks. 14 points in 35 minutes. I used to love Jeremy Grant when he was in the proper role. This is not it, and it's absolutely horrendous. Actually, you know what? Maybe his teammate, Sadiq Bey, the depressed penis, is equally as bad. Sadiq Bey, look, stop trying to take blokes off the dribble and take contested long twos. You know what you're good at? Taking threes, hitting threes, and that's it. You can't do anything else. You can't pass. You can't create. You can't be a number one option. I don't give a shit what Dwayne Casey tells you. You can't do it. And I understand trying to expand your game, and it's all about development. But, dude, where you're developing your own game at the expense of a bloke who's got top 10 in the NBA upside in Cade Cunningham. Like, get this bullshit out of here, my guy. Sit in the corner, pick your ass, hit threes, do nothing else. Nobody wants you to... Maybe Dwayne Casey does, and that's why he's a terrible coach. Anyway, as for the depressed penis, if you want to drop him, mate, Jack Armstrong, he's fired up. Get that garbage out of here! He offers nothing. He's got no upside. Actually, that's not true. He's got upside from where he is, because at the moment, he's at the level that I would call absolute shithouse, and maybe he can go to be being just very bad. He is not a high upside player, but he can shoot better than this. Um, Frankie Jackson had 10 points in 24. He's just a deeper league sort of player. Not much more to say there. While uh, Trey Lyles trying to claim his title for worst uh, rotation player in the NBA with five points in 12 minutes. For the Blazers, no Damian Lillard with his abdominal issue. So CJ McCollum had 28, 4, and 6 with two steals. Great. Yusuf Nurkic, 13, 8, and 5 in 27 minutes. Nurk is uh, playing all right. Top 50 over the last two weeks. And Simons played 36 minutes, 12, 6, and 5. I think while Norman Powell is out, Simons is worth having in 12 team leagues. Out of nowhere, Ben, ben McLemore played 18 minutes and had 17 points. Read absolutely nothing into this. Do not read anything into it at all. It took Powell and Lillard being out, plus good shooting, plus high usage. It's just not going to happen. Well, Dennis Smith just gets defensive stats, this guy. One steal and a block in 17 minutes, then he'll go back out of the rotation. Well, Covington had a steal and a block and two threes, but only 24 minutes, and it's really hard. In points leagues, forget it. Like in a 12-10 points league, don't worry about him. He's gone. He should have been gone ages ago. And in a category league, I think it's the same. Well, Larry Nance is doing jack shit. He's a drop, I reckon, in 12-teamers as well. Six points in 25 minutes for old Larry Nance. Tony Snell did uh, good things. Nine points. That's a Tony Snell line for you in those 27 minutes. 
All right, let's bang this out because, again, I, it is absolutely pissing down here. I've never seen rain like this, and I'm worried about losing power. The monstrous line of the night is Jimmy Harden. Your waiver wire line of the night is Malik Monk, who's got some short-term value. The young gun of the night, of course, is Cade Cunningham, and your dud of the night is Nerland's Noel. The top 10 players today, James Harden at number one, Jaron Jackson at number two, Cade Cunningham was at number three, Jordan Poole at four, Chris Paul at five, Scotty Barnes at six, Kevin Durant at seven, Julius Randle at eight, CJ McCollum at nine, and Rashawn Holmes at 10. Your top players rostered in under 50% of leagues, Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, we talked about them already. Monk, um, interesting 12-team streamer. Howard, 14 to 16, if they're going to continue to go without Jordan. Chemezi Metu was at number three here. I don't mind him as a 14-team league ad. Otto Porter, take the flyer if you want. Ben McLemore, no thank you. Wayne Ellington, also no thank you. Cam Johnson, maybe, but probably more 14. Dennis Smith, no. Killian Hayes, if you need assists, you can do worse. And then Gary Payton is just a deeper league guy. And then your top 10 in points is Jim Harden. It's Chris Paul. It's Julius Randle, Anthony Davis. Durant, Aiton, McCullum, Jaron, Alec Burks, and Scotland Barnes. Guys, that'll do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. If you want to say anything to make sure my roof doesn't leak, that'd be great as well. If you're on YouTube, thumb me up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.